dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series. You're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. We are a part of the DVR Podcast Network. Check us out at DVRPodcast.com. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. My name is Mike. I am here with Tracy. We read the books, and we are going to go deep. How you doing, Tracy? Great. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let's talk about this episode. <laughs> I know. We could have done the deep dive as an initial reaction this week, to be honest. <laughs> it was. We waited too many days. So what do you think? I generally liked the episode, but it made me start to question the way this season is kind of coming together and this shorter, like less episodes. Uh, I have some criticisms of the, the season overall, and it's really come from this episode. Wow. Now you're talking enough mm-hmm. of this uh, bootlick and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, this, it's a weird thing to say, but in general, this show about dragons doesn't feel, to me, isn't like a big fantasy overload. You know, is there's all of these kind of fantasy tropes, and that's part of what makes it good, is that he's messed with them all, you know, and, and, and made them weird and made them dangerous and more interesting. And, uh, I, you know, this episode just felt like, uh, kind of a like Lord of the Rings B side to me, so it was mm. fine. You know, like it's not like oh no, now we stop watching or anything crazy like that. You know, it just felt kind of silly. So, uh, but uh, maybe I will. Maybe you'll talk me out of that by the time we're done, or maybe I'll just talk myself deeper into it. How do you want to structure this thing? It was all over the place. It was. So we're gonna try to kind of go. By, just in order of the episode because everything is sort of leading into the next scene and I feel like we're going to get confused and leave things out and forget people and add people and we're going to try to do it this way. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, so we open on what most people are saying is the Blackwater Rush. So <laughs> we get the answer to our cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> what's going to happen to Jamie, who's wearing armor and sinking into some deep water? And right away, we find out that Jamie's okay, Bronze okay. But we also learn that Jamie might have been ready to end his life. Uh you know, the conversation that he has with Braun kind of makes it seem like he would have been totally okay with dying. And he wasn't concerned with preserving his own life. He just wanted the war to be over. So we get, you know, this wow. whole... Yeah, I mean... I hadn't Bron... really interpreted it as anything unusual. But that's Re- an okay. point. How'd you read it? Was it just like he he's impulsive and a badass kind of? And no, I, I mean I think that he has kind of I don't know. That's an interesting point. It just seemed to me like you know the thing he's always been raised to do, right? Like this is the ultimate moment of valor. You know, you kind of end the war. You slay he's the like dragon queen. White you know? white knighting it. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know, it's just kind of culturally that's w- 
what he's always been raised to think is the highest possible honor or virtue. Um, but it is also a suicide mission, and Braun wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a very interesting point you just made, actually. I just never thought about it that way. Yeah, and Braun pretty much lets us know that this is most likely the end of the line <laughs> in terms of his uh, alliance with the Lannisters if they plan on fighting dragons. Is that but but he went back to King's Landing. Yes. So how seriously did you take him? I I took it as if they want to get a bunch of soldiers and march or if they get word that there are dragons in the sky, he's out of there. Like don't expect right. me to get into formation with your soldiers. Like that's just please don't ask. <laughs> that's how I Don't took even it. ask. Just don't ask. <laughs> I was kind of bummed that we didn't get a Braun and Tyrion scene. Because um, I f- assume we're not going to talk much about Braun after this. But um, So I was a little bit bummed we didn't get a Braun and Tyrion scene. I had but, the same thought. And that goes right? along with my criticism that I'm not sure when I'm going to get it. At one, some point, I won't be able to hold it anymore. And I'm just going <laughs> to unload it. So he, I mean, I yeah, it was whatever. The scene was fine i really didn't yeah. feel like we learned anything you know no we just got our answer jamie's right. alive it was Bron who saved them they're both fine and they're going to king's landing Ob- obvi right like right that's where they're going <laughs> next okay um well and I, then- I guess i guess the one thing we did see is jamie really like not only does she have a dragon she's got three of them and they're not fucking trojan horses like, they are fire-breathing, ginormous dragons, you know? So that, like, that was one thing that, you know, it's not Snarks and Grumpkins, right? Like, he's right. definitely seen it now. So I guess that was a little something. Yeah, he's a believer. And and he he feels like they are probably going to lose. That's right. what he's going to walk away with. Right. Um, Across the water, Tyrion is walking amongst the corpses and all the burnt wagons and he seems to be I don't know like a little dismayed or saddened by you know just seeing the carnage yep I don't know what the heck he thought (laughs) you know it's a little surprising to me that he was taking it this hard do you think it was because they were Lannister soldiers or he would have been like that with any group of soldiers. I mean, we haven't seen him. He didn't look nearly so bummed when she was cooking slavers, right? Mm -mm. No. So, yeah, I kind of took it as, you know, because this is the thing from the beginning of her situation with Tyrion, he has been the representative of Westeros, you know, and, I mean, really the only one who's been there. You know, Jorah was right, left. I mean, so it kind of, to me, was like, as I wasn't I wasn't sure to read it as Lannister or Westeros. You know what I mean? I, it's a little bit of both, but. All right. So it's like his people. It's yeah, not I mean, the it, others. It, it means something different, you know, I would think. Wouldn't you? I don't know. Don't, I mean. Well, I I don't have the stomach for war at all. 
right? <laughs> like, I wouldn't be able to take any of this. But for me, I was just kind of like, wow, he's taking it pretty hard. And I was trying to think about Book Tyrion kind of near mm-hmm. the end. And, you know, do I think he's going to take it hard when he has to see something like this? And, and I don't know if he would. Um, he seems to be a little more matter of fact about the whole thing. But I guess we'll see. But that kind of begs the question of, like, has Tyrion evolved at all as a character in this series? You know, because in the you could say, like, well, sure, these are the ways he's evolved. But has he actually evolved as a person? Or has the person he was in episode one just gone through different events? You know what I mean? I, I guess that's kind of the question. Because I feel like the Tyrion who left Westeros... I think you're right. I don't know about the Tyrion who has come back now. You know, I think he was affected by Blackwater. You know, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think, I I don't know. Because this, this, we're going to complain more later too. I think (laughs) I'm going to have some complaints a little bit as we come up on this stuff too. But it just, it seems to me like Tyrion is now more than he was before kind of over it you know it's weighing on him i guess like he just wants can we just pick a winner and have a new king queen whatever but not my crazy sister and stop killing people yeah i mean i think he's just put out with the whole thing right you know it's not his jam you know, right. like, right. you know, we right. said last week that, you know, he's more of a diplomacy guy. And you yep. mentioned that's very useful in peacetime. Right. So I guess maybe he's having some fish out of water struggles and, and being, being so close to the action yeah. is weighing on him. Well, I'm also <clears throat> there's also the possibility that he is basically just a foil for watching Danny uh, become the dragon. That's the other thing that I keep trying to remember is, you know, I am invested in Tyrion's feelings, but I'm not sure to what extent he's just a foil for Danny. You know, to be able to, like, be the Lady Olena. Because um, she's got to have somebody to be like, ah, I don't think that's a very good idea, right? And, like, who's going to do it? One of the Dothraki? <laughs> That seems unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose Missandei could, but that's not really her personality. You know. Well, well, did they give her one? Um, well, <laughs> that is that is that's correct. So, so it would be weird for that to suddenly kind of bloom, right? Um, unless somebody else said it and she needed to translate for them, right? So, you know, so I've been kind of trying to balance my Tyrion thoughts with that angle on it, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I imagine he's being set up for some big moments in this final season. I mean, regardless of where they thought the story might go, the fact that Tyrion is most people's, especially casual viewers, favorite character. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine he's just going to be a sounding board in the right. in the final pages, right? Like, that would be right. bizarre. Uh, by the t- <coughs> Excuse me. By the time I was done thinking about it, um, I, the thing that bothered me the most about that scene is that it's hard to imagine Tyrion riding a dragon 
uh, when he's that upset about the effect yeah. of the dragon. Now, maybe he wouldn't feel that way if they were smoking whites instead of Lannisters, but um, I, I think that's another one of those, you know, common fan service things. Like, you don't have to get very far into this to hear about that as a possibility. And, of course, that's always been such a great possibility, right? But, you know, the the one flip side of that is that at what point in this show have weak characters become dangerous and powerful? Um, physically, I mean. And really, Arya is the, the only example that comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, so that would just be a way for Tyrion to, like, not have to train with a sword. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's been saying from the beginning... You know, you remember when he's with John on the way to the wall, you know, he says a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone, right? He's been talking about his inability to work with swords for so long that it just seemed like that would be cool. But I don't see how he goes from that scene today to putting it in action, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, we've got two more episodes, which is crazy to think. Um and we can kind of, I hope we'll be able to see where he stands. Like, is he going to, well, you know what? Actually, let's get right into this Tarly thing because mm-hmm. he was clearly unhappy with, you know, Danny gives this choice, you know, bend the knee or die. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, reconsider. <sighs> so Randall steps up, refuses to bend the knee. And then Dickon is like, yeah, "Yeah, me too. So, wow, I was totally wrong about the role of the Tarleys going forward. My whole, oh, they didn't talk about, you know, Heartsbane or whatever. Oh, well, no no big whoop, apparently. Nobody left to care about Heartsbane. (laughs) Right, that's it. Sam's got it. End of story. And, uh, you know, she toasts them. And that is enough for the rest of those soldiers to bend the knee. Um, I thought it was okay. And I understand why she did what she did. What, where did you fall? Uh, I, I mean, I thought the scene was really great. This is one, um, you know, I was just really in it. I was in it, you know, and, and the guy that plays Randall has been so great. Um, it was just, it was a really, it was a well done scene. And I, I mean, this is the big fear, right? This is her becoming the Mad King. You know, once again, we see another parallel to uh, Ned's brother and, and father, right? And, and you know, we see them being wiped out. The older, you know, the, the, the um, current patriarch of the family and the heir, Mm-hmm. Being wiped out, you know, back to back with fire. Uh, so that was the thing that really jumped out to me about it is like, well, when Dickon steps up, he becomes Ned's brother, right? Wow, yeah. You know, and that's, nobody's going to like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I just don't, you know, I don't think she's connecting it to that. I don't think she's thinking about it that way at all. But that was how I read it. Right? I mean, I how else do you can... tell that story? But what? I don't know. <laughs> so I was, I mean, I'm saying I'm okay with Daenerys doing that because I didn't sense it as mad. And I think she really saw herself as being logical. 
and sort of saying, well, you know, she really felt like I gave them a choice, you know, like this is not me flying off the handle. I'm not mad at anyone. I'm totally willing to accept you. Just do right. the, you know, you know how she but is. You saw, then, but you saw Tyrion have an additional reaction when he said behead and she said, I'm not beheading them. Right. There was that extra layer of reaction to the fact of them being burned um, that stood out to me, you know. So it's kind of like the Westerosi way, the Targaryen way. And, and she wants to do it her way, even though the association with her father might be negative. And I don't you have think, to get past that. Well, and I don't think that she is. I don't think she understands the propaganda value of that. I don't think she understands the propaganda value of burning Randall Tarley with a dragon. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whereas if she would have beheaded him, it would have shown her at least trying to, you know, go with the Westerosi way, right? Even though she brought the Dothraki to the fight. And if she would have sent him to the wall, then it would have shown her at least trying to, you know, her showing mercy in the Westerosi way, right? But she very specifically made the point, I'm doing this Targaryen style. Uh, And I don't think that she understands the propaganda value of that, even if it doesn't have any real practical effect. You know, even if those are the only people she burns with dragons in that kind of punitive after the battle way, right? Because that was what was stood out about it. You know, you didn't see Tyrion, like, I can't believe you burned all these Lannisters in the battle. What he was upset about was the aftermath, so. You know what you just reminded me of? Hmm. Danny and her floppy ears. Was it bunny ears? Floppy ears? Okay. Do you remember that? When she's, like, I guess in Marine, and she has to pretend to be like them. So they would like her. So she calls it putting on her her floppy oh, ears, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> adapting to their way of life. Yes. Where is that? That's not here. Right. Because right? if if she if that point of view was in show Daenerys, right, she would be that's how she would do it. She would right. say Tyrion punishments in Westeros. Talk to me. Right. 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 And then she would follow that advice. Right. Right. But so I thought it was no floppy ears. I thought it was a good scene. You know, I thought it was well done. I liked all of it. I didn't necessarily even disagree with her choice. It's just, you know, Tyrion's not comfortable with this. This is not going to work for him. And she's going to have to figure out the effect that this is having. You know, I mean, that's the conversation, right? Do you kill more terrorists by blowing up a bunch of innocent people at a wedding party? than you do by leaving the the heads there to agitate. You know, I mean, it, the, the optics of these things matter, mm. right? And it's yeah. one of these, I mean, this is a conversation that has always been, since we started writing things down, we've been having some version of this conversation about, you know, what the right level of punitive action after a war is. And I, I just, she's not caught up with the Geneva Conventions, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> but also it looked badass and, and you know that shot of the dragon on the hill was just absolutely ridiculous I yes mean, just, more of that <laughs> oh my god oh my god and and you know 
we got to acknowledge that, too. That was completely badass. So, uh, uh, what right. else? I guess um, we found out that it wasn't Randall uh, taking the hat off, right? No, just some other bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> Red shirt, I saw bald that guy. guy three. Have you seen uh, Atomic Blonde movie that came out? No, I would like Charlize to Theron. see it. <clears throat> so, when she was... Like 30, Charlize Theron started a production company because she was afraid that when she was 40, she wouldn't get any more work. And Atomic Blonde is one of the projects that she developed, um, you know, for her to, to play. And it's it's cool as shit. You know, it's a it's, she's it's kind of a she was described to me as like a James Bond you know, mm. like a female James Bond in the 80s. But, like, she's way it's way cooler than that. <laughs> um, anyway, the guy that plays Randall Tarley is in that movie. And as far as I can tell, he just plays one character. But he's so damn good at it, I don't care. <laughs> like, I was so happy to see him in Atomic Blonde just being Randall Tarley in a suit. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if he has any more range than that. I don't know if he needs any more range than that. But, you know, I thought it was a fitting end to that character. Right? Okay, like, well. I mean, how else did you want Randall Tarley to go? Right? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like we already saw Tywin take a bolt on the shitter. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I, I felt like giving Randall his, like, you know, his uh, honorable due was really nice so yeah right, but uh, I, I didn't expect now. yeah i didn't Sorry. expect dickin to go i'm i'm shocked why hire that guy i don't know whatever okay so then we uh move to king's landing jamie is walking up to into cersei's chambers to basically let her know what he saw and how bad it was and kind of suggesting that she needs to change up. Something has to happen because what he saw completely changes the game. Uh, he also tells her that Tyrion did not kill Joffrey. Olena did. Mm. So I didn't, I mean, I don't think too much happened in this scene. Um, there was also a very quick mention that everything's cool with the iron bank. So the gold must've gotten into the city and everything like that's a done deal. Mm -hmm. There's a bow on that present. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, did you pull anything uh, deeper out of this conversation? No, I mean, you know, this one to me was mostly about him saying like, look, she's got dragons and we can't beat them. And Tyrion's not to blame, but ultimately it doesn't really mean anything. Because no. she hates Tyrion anyway. So, you know, okay, we move on. Yeah, <laughs> you know. okay. Yeah, I didn't have too much to say. Love the dress. Um, but the, other than that, I'm good. <laughs> well, right, she, then... You know, her whole thing about what are we going to sue for peace, right? Like, I mean, that I, I, I did. I'm glad to see her kind of sticking to that even. Because she's right, you know. There's no... We're so she doesn't this. get to go to the wall, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> bake pies. So sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, then we move on to Dragonstone where uh, Daenerys is returning from Blackwater Rush and John meets Drogon and mm. we see John 
walk up to Drogon, touch Drogon, and Drogon's pretty cool with it. Uh, really calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. So, of course, you know, all of the Targaryen people are like, oh my god, Jon touched the dragon. Jon's going to totally ride a dragon. <laughs> Danny's totally picking up on this. Da, 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 da. My question to you. Did Tyrion touch the dragons when he freed them, or did he just touch the shackles? Do you remember? I do not. I don't think he touched the dragon. I think that he, you know, obviously he pulled the thing, but I don't recall him touching the dragon. Okay. They, and they were a little agitated, but they didn't get angry. Yeah, I mean, you know, they did the whole, like, you know, rawr in your face thing, right? Which right. they also did to John, you know. And that, to me, is uh, that seems to be their, you know, if you can't deal with that, then you don't have any chance, <laughs> you know. And so far, the only two people who've dealt with that have been Tyrion and John. But I don't recall Tyrion touching them. Okay. And if he did, so, it certainly wasn't like the loving. No, this was know, like really sweet caresses. petting and you know it was yeah. a nice little moment yeah uh so what what's danny thinking while she's watching this guy touch her baby like this i mean he's the first right yeah far, i mean so i don't know that she's thinking he's a targaryen no. uh, but he obviously stands out you know and that was and that's something that heath talked about on the initial reaction is like, is the dragon skin just so hot that it burns you if you touch it? And I, that's, I don't think that's correct, but nobody else has gotten close enough to touch them. <laughs> right. You know, without getting cooked, uh, other than Tyrion and John. So I don't know that she's necessarily connecting that to bloodline, but how could she not be? Because she's been told her whole life that the only people who can ride dragons are Targaryen. Mm -hmm. So, it seems to me like it wouldn't be weird for her to make that leap. I mean, she's got to be doing some some math here. Or I guess it depends on what stories she's been told. But, I mean, also, this she, has... She seems to clearly be attracted to him, which would suggest yes. he's a Targaryen also. <laughs> 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 You're much cuter than my brother. <laughs> I, I mean, um, it was really great. It was, you know, I I enjoyed this scene quite a bit. Yeah, and I love the shots of the dragon. I I feel like um, the technical work is just really great. Uh, Danny gives John a little bit of side eye. She says, "Aren't they beautiful?" And he says something like, "You know, that's not the word I would use." She hits him with side eye. It was so great. Yep, sure did. <laughs> And she's like, I mean, you're basically telling someone that their kid is not cute, right? Dude, like, you know what I thought? Right. That was what I thought. That that look is the you're not supposed to say that on our second date look. That's what that look is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to have that opinion until at least like our fifth or sixth date, you know? Right. Like when I say, isn't my kid cute? You say yes. <laughs> exactly. You say adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that is the cutest dragon I've ever seen. Ever seen. <laughs> yep. And this was, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm fine with the John and Danny interaction so far. I'm glad they're not, you know, playing tonsil hockey. I'm glad they're still slow burning it. Yes, the progression is. It feels a little bit more natural. Mm-hmm. 
um, she starts to question him about when Davos mentioned that he took a knife to the heart for his people. And he lies. And bef- yes, yes. He blows it off and he tries to uh, say, you know, oh, Davos, and uh, kind of make it seem like it was a figure of speech. Uh, I don't think she's buying it, but she gets interrupted by Sir Jorah. Who <laughs> she says, my friend. <laughs> yes, he is a friend. That was probably Jorah's like favorite moment, like better than getting his grayscale cleared up. <laughs> she welcomed him back, brought him in for the hug. I thought she, you know, really sold that sweetness and that care and that happiness. So I thought yeah. uh, Amelia Clark sold it. Yeah, I bought it. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. What, thought, what's up? Well. Uh, I I just kind of this is skipping ahead a little bit, but I just kind of thought it was interesting how like he was there now, but then they're having a meeting and it's like she's not quite sure what to do with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I wrote down a, a couple notes about that yeah. <laughs> when we get to it. Um, so John's hiding the dead stuff, right? Like clear or back from the dead stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, last season I was wondering why is everybody so okay with the fact that he came back from the dead? But this is kind of showing me that he must have hid it from everyone. Mm-hmm. It, or, does he think people will okay. reject him? Or Because I'm guessing Sansa... Like, I thought last season that Sansa knew. Like, I thought she got the whole download of what John right. had been through. And then, by extension, the other people. And that's why they wanted to follow him and blah, blah, blah. But apparently... It's I a don't secret. think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that stays to the stays within the watch. Maybe hmm. even within the guys that were in the room. Right. No, because yeah. Some, because oh, no, some of the other guys outside of the room mentioned it, but yeah. it still is within the watch. <clears throat> well, and everybody, you know, we were saying initially that it, it seemed like Melisandre would be able to to drop that little, you know, that little dime, but we haven't seen her for a couple episodes now. So, right. I guess maybe that's also why they got her out of there. Cause logically like she would have been like, Oh yeah, yeah, I brought him back. Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Right. like, yeah, it was a Tuesday. This is what we do on Tuesdays. Resurrections. It was great. Brought the I, king I, in the North back AMA. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, it's not clear to me that even Sansa knows. So. Yeah, I don't think she does at this point. I I assumed it. You know, I had no reason to believe it. I just figured, why wouldn't that come up? But right. I, it's a secret. Okay. Right. right. Okay. Uh, speaking of the Starks, we're going to hop over to Winterfell really quickly where we see Bran going into the Ravens. And they are, he's kind of like doing a scouting trip, trying to check out what the Night King is up to. Hmm. And what's really cool is like he sent a whole group of them out there. And when they got close to the Night King and he looks up, they all like, it's Busted. almost like they hit an invisible wall and just like got the hell out of there. Busted. Which was, yeah, interesting. Like, yeah. And, yeah. uh, brand comes out of it saying we need to send ravens 
But I don't. I mean, that to me was seemed very like. It's. I didn't understand it at all. Like what? I guess. I guess that's. He can send the ravens and the hound can't. I guess is the point. I don't know. I I, I didn't feel like we learned anything, which I thought was weird. We d- we didn't. Um, I guess except that Bran is actively going to spread the word. You know, he's going to tell the maester, tell all care? the other houses. This is what I don't like. Does anybody give a shit? This is well, what I don't I understand. Mean, we we see how people <laughs> respond when we go to the Citadel, right? They're like, okay, person I don't know talking about something that I don't believe in, wanting right. me to take action now. Like, That's what I mean. And the only person who believes him is the person who met him and saw that shit for himself. So is uh, what's the point of, I don't really understand like what effect Brand's Ravens are realistically going to have other than to drive Sam out. Well, I guess the Ravens are just his uh, an extra set of eyes. No, I mean sending the Ravens. Oh, okay. Um, it makes sense to me why why they would want to have, you know, an RL who can keep an eye on things. Like, that made perfect sense to see that scene. Yeah. But the Raven thing, I thought, was must have just been to get Sam out because I don't know who else is going to take him seriously. Yeah, because it certainly didn't get... No, well... I mean, I don't know what Bran could have had the maester write that would have pulled right. a different response out of people. I mean, what could he really have written? Right. I, I just. I, I think that's what I mean is that, you know, and who is Brandon Stark? Like most people who even know who that was think he's dead. You know, Mm -hmm. so it just seemed to me like just a very weird kind of, you know, I'm just not sure. It it may be if it would have come from Sansa or something, at least, (laughs) you know, but it what they talk about is they remember the maester. And then they're like, yeah, but, you know, when you spend that much time in the cold, you get stupid. (laughs) So they even kind of, you know, so they're not even taking him seriously, you know, so. I don't know. I, it seemed to me like it was just basically to drive Sam out, and it seemed wholly unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a short scene, thankfully, but yeah, I didn't pull too much much meat from this one. And I, but I really liked the, the thing, you know, going to the Night's King and all that. It was just the Raven part of it I thought was weird. But anyway, that's some nitpicky bullshit I've, already, I've said too many times. Um <laughs> Have you seen the video of the Night's King getting his makeup? Yes. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> I can't look at the Night's King without doing my head like freaking Night at the Roxbury now. Like <laughs> I was afraid it was going to ruin it in the sh- ruin him in the show for me, but it doesn't because in the show, you know, it's so in context that you know, yeah. I don't think about it until afterwards and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, that guy Dances to techno in this. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Night's King getting his makeup applied, check it out because it's pretty great. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. So we move to Citadel where we see the Archmaester talking to some of the other maesters with Sam in the background. Uh, in this 
part, we kind of see a back and forth between Sam and the Archmaester where Sam is sort of pleading with him to take it seriously. And the Archmaester's basically the best he can do is say, let's write back and get some more mm-hmm. details. Um, and they kind of, like you mentioned, kind of poo-poo not only the Northern Maester, but also some other people in history, Jenny of Old Stones and... Mm. Um, Lodos or Loros, or who's um, a Iron Islands person who like had wild ideas, and they're kind of just like, oh yeah, this is more of the same. There's always some nut out there trying to, you know, tell everybody that the world is ending. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, I'm really annoyed with the Citadel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't it's, believe in magic. It's so thin, though. Like right. the the. Okay, here I go. <laughs> uh-huh. It's yep. it's happening. <laughs> where where are the other acolytes? Why aren't there classes? Where's a Marwin? Right. right. Where where's that one kooky maester that all of the other ones think is crazy, but but he actually knows what's going on and he's doing some cool stuff up there, right? He's Why in don't the book. <laughs> why don't we see some people with just a few links on their chain just as set dressing it's right. so thin i'm like irritated yep <laughs> i was irritated with the dragons the what the grayscale but i'm like all right fine whatever and it's just like every time we go there it's like this is it. It's like saying the Citadel is a joke. Like, oh, we, we've trained enough maesters. Now we're just going to torture young people for. Uh, <laughs> I am so disappointed. Imagine Sam had a class with an acolyte named Pate. We would lose our minds. Yes. And how hard would that be to do? <laughs> Could you imagine? He just called someone Pate. <laughs> we yep. lose it. Yep. Just once. Well, and then yeah. we talked about this, you know, before about how the 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 maesters are never really characterized as individuals. We've had this conversation before. And and in the book, there are a, a handful of standout maesters who are a little weird, you know, or whatever the case may be, like you're talking about. But in the show, the only one who we've gotten to know as an individual really was Lewin, and that was... You know, were the the uh, Lewin and uh, Pycel and yeah, well, and then Maester Eamon, right? Yes. Um, but those people, we kind of we learned about their personalities within the context of other characters who were clearly more important, you know, and who were clearly treated as more important. And we don't have any sense of the individual personalities of any of the Maesters of Old Town. We finally heard one of them speak this episode. Right. <laughs> Right. More more than one of them. But they just kind of like they basically all spoke with the same voice and just different levels of kind of sarcasm. Uh, But the thing is, I think, you know, it's a weird they. I think part of the reason why I feel at least disappointed or kind of annoyed with them is because as a group, they don't believe in magic. That's their thing. And magic is taken over the show. At this point, in a way that it hasn't ever before now, um, or, you know, hadn't before this season or whatever, right? It gets a little more every season. 
you get more and more and more and more margin. So as we get more and more magic, those characters that just refuse to acknowledge it are very annoying. You know. Yeah, it's like banging your out, head against the wall. Right. You're like, oh, it's it's frustrating. And then when they don't flesh them out, you don't have any reason to have empathy for this character's, you know, lack of understanding or lack of interest in what's really going on, you know. And so I don't to me, I wonder if, you know, the choice to keep the Citadel thin is because that's not going to really be relevant to what's happening you know, none of those characters are going to be relevant to what's happening as, as they try to go take magic to fight magic. And they're just basically going to kind of boil away. So this way, nobody's going to be like, what happened to the Archmaster? Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right. know? I know what happened I to that guy that was busting balls at the table? You know, like nobody <laughs> cares, right? What happened to Pate? Well, there is no Pate, you know, so you just keep it thin and keep it about Sam, you know, um, and then that way... Whatever, you can get out of it without having to ever think about it again. So, I guess that comes lame. with, I, yeah, because it comes with, you know, they, when they plot out their season, if they know that they just need Sam to be at the Citadel for this much time to learn this thing and pick up that book, nothing else really matters. So, just make it entertaining and, you know, uh, make sure it matches the canon of the show and move on. Right. The whole thing is about the grayscale and the two books, the one that says dragon glass and the one that says Rhaegar, you know, that's it. And that's really what this whole thing is about. So you, that's where you put your, you know, your poop and soup montages and your stuff like mm-hmm. that because, you know, we're not really needing to pick up detail here, you know? And this so. is why Gilly and a baby can live there. No explanation. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Just whatever. Well, we okay. got some space. This is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I want to talk about this. Is the fact that this is Vance Raider's kid ever going to come up again? Or that just is completely irrelevant now? No, it's it's not in the show. Are you talking about the book? Because in the show, right? That's just... that's the This is one kid. But... Right, but I mean, we saw him a few times. Is, is that ever going to matter again? Or do I just need to not remember that that's Mance Raider's kid? Um, wow, I totally... <laughs> they did that in the show too, right? Or no? No, no. No, they didn't because do there that was in the no, show. There was no Val, there's no Dala. They're not in it. Okay, okay. So that that's oh, you just know something gotta, I'm remembering from the book and putting on the show. Yes, you know what? You got to go back and tell Heath uh, earmuffs, Axel earmuffs. <laughs> no, be like, I mean, I think we can say this. <laughs> I think we can say this because it's obviously completely irrelevant. Yeah. To the yeah, show, yeah, guys. So I think it's okay not, to say this. That's not Gilly's baby. <laughs> in the right. Book. <laughs> that's in the book. That's not Gilly's baby, and she was pissed <laughs> off about it when it happened. Devastated. You know, right, because. They, uh, Melisandre wanted some king's blood and Mance was the king, you know, the king of the, the free folk. And so Mance had a kid and that was the same age as Gilly's kid that Sam saved, but she had with Craster 
but she didn't care that it, it was her kid. That was the whole point, you know, like being Craster being the dad. She didn't know any kids that Craster wasn't the dad. So, you know, whatever with that, like she just didn't want to feed it to the White Walkers. And so Sam saves her and the kid. But then eventually that kid gets swapped for Mance Raider's kid because they don't want Melisandre to burn Mance Raider's kid. So they swap the kids, and when they find out that, and when she finds out that the kid with the king's blood is gone, then it basically, it more or less sets up Shireen, is really mm-hmm. what it does. You know, it, it gives us a little bit of, of um, foreshadowing of Shireen and Melisandre's attitude about burning kids <laughs> if they have the right <laughs> parents, you know. Right. Um, but all of that, none of that has happened in the book. So this is Gilly's kid with Craster and everything is normal and we're just moving on. She says, Sam's the dad and that's just it. And I am just, yeah. imposed, I'm just taking a story from the book and putting it in the show, but it's not really there. Did I say <laughs> all of that right? You summed up that storyline really well. I'm so happy I didn't even <laughs> attempt because I was like, wait, who? Um, Yeah, so you got it. Yeah, I, I totally forgot the King's Blood reasoning. Like, I don't know. So good job. Good. <laughs> Okay, good. So that's a little bit of book stuff that's complete, that they've just dropped out of the show like three seasons ago. So really, it's not a big deal. And I'm just going to stop thinking about it every time I see that damn kid. Because now yeah. every time they show the kid, I'm like, they showed the kid again. They're going to talk about it. But they're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I can just put that out of my head. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad we talked about this because you would have been like pissed at the finale, like the series finale. Like, <laughs> they never said anything. And you would have looked real silly, my friend. Like <laughs> The food drop. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for saving me from looking like an asshole. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, I only look like a little bit of an asshole. All right. No. I, didn't, I didn't mean to sidetrack us there. Where were we? Okay. Um, I think we're, I mean, we're done with the citad- this part of the Citadel, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Um, oh, and we just get the little mention that the Maesters know that Sam's dad and brother died, but he did not tell him yet. And I right. guess he never got the chance. Um, all right. So then we transition over to Dragonstone where we get an interesting talk between Varys and Tyrion. Uh, They're talking about, well, Varys mostly talks about the sort of, I guess, guilt or level of responsibility he felt when the Mad King was being mad and kind of making Mm -hmm. it, trying to make yourself feel better about being complicit in a terrible situation. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting talk between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, that was all right. What did yeah. you, <laughs> talk me into it. Sell me. Sell me. Well, you know, I think it fills out Varys a little more. Um, I don't know. I never thought that he would have had those feelings. Right. So I feel like this is okay. new. And I don't know if it's just BS and they just thought it would be a good line. But, you know, I figured he took all of this in stride you know he's very Mm -hmm. you know outcome oriented and you know means always yeah justify the ends so just keep moving so this was an interesting take and it might be pushing us towards this idea that Varys is willing to move away from Daenerys if he has to you know he's Mm -hmm. not it sounds like he doesn't want to do this again that same thing again right Right. Yeah, Varys is dirty as sh- He's dirty, man. That guy's dirty. 
<laughs> and he's he still is. reading people's letters. He is the top layer of soil at Chernobyl, dirty. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> and he's still reading people's letters, of course. I mean, everybody knew that. I do yeah. like the scenes with Tyr- with him and Tyrion, though, because I feel like he's probably more kind of honest with Tyrion than with most people. Yeah, um, agreed. I think they get each other. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, and- going back to season two, they kind of, you know, felt comfortable right away with each other, and that hasn't gone away. They've looked out for each other. Yeah, huh. I-, I buy the relationship. Yep. And I think that I think that I I buy what he what Varys is saying when he's talking to Tyrion virtually more I mean more often than with any other character. You know, I I always believe Tyrion. I just think Tyrion's at the end of his fucking rope and has been for a long time and just says what he means and means what he says, you know. Uh and but I think Varys is more honest with him than anywhere else. And you know, but I, I just don't because I keep thinking he's going to, you know, we're going to find out he's got links back to Cersei. But I mean, is she really a better choice? He knows she just blew up the no. set. I right? don't think so. I, I, I mean, don't. I've been talking myself oh, out of minute. that whole thing this week. You wait know? a minute. In the book, that epilogue at the end of dance in the epilogue, we see that Varys is still working with Cersei. So, I mean, while it's hard for me to see it in the show right now, uh, I guess that possibility is there, depending on where this story goes. Okay, but in the show, what happened that led him to stop working with Cersei? Was it just the um, when Tywin was killed and Tyrion gets released, Varys disappears? Right. And then, like, all the Cersei afterwards is constantly saying, where is Varys? Where? Where is he? So she, in the show, must have some sense that... And by now, she's got to know he's working with Danny. Yeah. Yeah, because if she knows Tyrion's the Hand, specifically, right? She's right. got to know who else is there. For sure. For sure. Okay. Wow. So... But we haven't gotten to that point in the books yet. So those two things don't really contradict each other. No, I, I just, it's just I had never thought that he would go back to Cersei. But then speaking out loud, I'm like, wait a minute, that epilogue. I swear Varys had something to do with it. And he was helping Cersei. And, and sure yeah. Enough. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I just, you know, I've just really been thinking about it more because I've been convinced all season that that was going to, basically from the moment that uh, Daenerys is busting his chops in the map room, you know, um, I had kind of assumed that that was going to be where that was going to lead. But watching the scene with Tyrion and and thinking about all of that, it's just like if you're going to, I mean, you know, she killed an army, but ultimately... Her crime, I guess, was just the thing with the tire killing the two Tyrells, not all the Lannisters before Lannister army before that. Uh, but that was a battle as opposed to blowing up the damn sept, and you know. So I that was the thing I'm thinking as I'm watching it is I'm feeling less and less like he is going to make that choice because it seems more like. 
as crazy as she might be, maybe between him and Tyrion, they can get to her. Like she's more pliable than Danny. No, Danny's more pliable, I think, than Cersei would be. You know. Well, he says, uh, Varys says to Tyrion, "You have to make her understand." Mm-hmm. And Tyrion's face is like, "Um, I tried. <laughs> like, I, I told her, don't do it. Like, I mean, she's got a dragon, man. <laughs> you make her understand." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated by, I, and I, I'm also just fascinated by how much I hate and then don't, I don't know. I just am all, I just go back and forth with that guy. And, and I, I really actually like that about the show a lot. And I think Varys is one of those amazing improvements from a weird book character right. in terms of looks and mannerisms. Yes. yes. You know, Varys is, a guy with a bald head on the show. You know what I mean? Right. Who's a eunuch in the book. He's so weird and creepy and he, you know, the powdered hands and the scent and the whole, like there's another layer that's would be distracting on the show. The silk um, slippers that he's like, totally like Tarantino obsessed with. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like he's like, as far as turning a character and making them, really good on screen he was like a one so shout out to them for that yeah and i think that's part of taking these people seriously as people in the show you know like if dario naharis has a has a split beard that's blue and gold or whatever and gold teeth and it's gonna be like hard to listen to him you know what i mean like it's hard to like he to believe also that danny is gonna go from you know Aquaman or whatever that character you know, is going to go from like, you know, this Dothraki God, right. To this like weirdo in his fancy pants, you know, or, um, or to choose that over Jorah who, you know, is supposed to be ugly in the book, but in the show is quite handsome. Like, right. Right. No. Right. It just, so to me that was, you know, that's a, yeah, there were some good choices there as far as kind of tamping down the fantasy elements. Uh, of the book that are fine in the book because it's a fantasy book you know what right. I mean so like you don't mind it doesn't it's fine and also in the book you can hear people thinking you know so that makes a big difference in terms of your ability to connect to them and um, it only goes as far as your own imagination right because I'm right. sure you know <laughs> right. a person with a wilder imagination Varys and Dario look way different than the way I picture them so you know right. the limit of your imagination sets the line of how crazy these people are yeah no that's an excellent point everybody reads it, everybody sees it a little differently in their mind and you see it in a way that is easy for you to consume you know mm-hmm. so you can just so you can keep reading you know because if you have to stop every time and think about you know, what did I think his belt looked like? <laughs> you know, like you're not really reading the book. You're thinking about belts, you know. So everybody kind of makes those pictures in their head in a way that makes it easy for them to keep going. Um, and then the only time you have to think about his dumb shoes is when George is talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why that okay, stood we, out to me, but it all it, it has. Anyway, we went on another tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this one was my fault. Okay, uh, we're still at Dragonstone, um, and John gets the letter or the the scroll, 
And he, in my opinion, he reacts kind of in an odd way. I mean, he he mentions how he thought Arya and Bran were dead, but like he's so monotone about it. And then he says he needs to go home. Uh, what did you think about the way he got this information? Uh, I mean, I don't know what else you want him to do. Like, that's how he's playing this whole thing. The only time he gets excited is when he's got to go chop somebody's head off. And then afterwards, he's like, I feel bad. Yeah. So, it, you know, I wasn't really sure. You're, I mean, I agree with you that it seemed oddly muted. You know, it seemed like he was receiving some piece of information about, you know, the fruit trees didn't bloom yeah. or something. Yeah. It just, but then when I on 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 rewatching it, I just kind of was like, that's what he's doing right now. You know, mm. I mean, he's, he had he's a, single minded. And I he, guess because it mentions the the army of the dead that consumed his focus. And also now, you know, he's got something else to worry about up there. I mean, that's one thing, you know, nothing to lose, right? I mean, I think he has kind of been thinking of himself as having essentially nothing to lose. He never really had that much of a relationship with Sansa. She's more reasonable to take over Winterfell than he is anyway. So there's this kind of sense that if he dies, you know, in this battle, as long as they win, then everything will be set right. You know, and now to find out that Arya and Bran are there, I mean, that was to me the driving force for him to say, I got to get back, you know, because if this happens while I'm not there and I don't see Arya first, I'll never forget yeah. myself, you know, and and this is the thing. Let's just back up a little bit to the dragon scene. You know, what do you think happens like you are out in the yard and someone you know flies up on a dragon and it roars at you and then it just like looks at you and you pet it a little bit and then that person gets off the dragon and it flies away. What are you going to do? I'm going to like lay down on the floor or like, <laughs> God damn, like what are you going to do? Like you're going to have some, I would think that you would be emotionally involved, <laughs> whatever your reaction would be, right? And what happened? She was like, you know, aren't they beautiful? And he's like, that's not what I'd say. And like, just went back to this kind of dour... You know, so on the rewatch, I was like, that's just what he's doing. And I don't mean the actor. I mean, that's the headspace that the character is in. Um, and I don't know, you know. So anyway, I it would have to be honest, I would have liked to see him cry. He hasn't cried. Yes, yeah, I'm totally mean, honest. I would have loved to have seen him cry. I mean, Arya and Bran were pretty close to him. Yep. You know, I mean, Bran and Arya didn't care about any bastard business at all. At all. You nope. know, like that was a pure sibling relationship. And also, I, I, you know, if you recall, like he was he treated them with much more love and respect than Theon ever did. Mm -hmm. You know, and you kind of got the sense that that Rob, you know, was busy being trained to be the new Lord of Winterfell, you know. And so he had interactions with with Bran, but his interactions with Bran and Arya both were very the age difference was really apparent. And he played on it. You know, he talked to them like, I'm always going to be your boss. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas John, I just was much more personable with both of them because he didn't have that. He was never going to be their boss. 
He didn't have that pressure on him, you know, or however you want to read it, right? So, yeah, so I just, I mean, and I don't mean I, I wanted to see him, like, sit there, like, breaking down and all the emotion of four seasons coming out in once, but, you know, a little broken throat, you know, a little... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little, a little like, catch. I thought they were son of a bitch, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just give me, like, you know, but we didn't get that, so... no. Um, in this same scene, we get, you know, two plans get hatched, um, kidnapping a white (laughs) to be brought back (laughs) to probably, I mean, I guess to Dragonstone and King's Landing, maybe, right? I mean, does, do you think they want to show Daenerys and Cersei that this is real and also sneak Tyrion into King's Landing plan? Right. I would think with the white, you know, Cersei would be job one just because you have a more sympathetic audience in Daenerys. Uh, mm. But, you know, even if it's just to do experiments on them, like have a dragon cook it just to make sure, you know, there's a value to bringing it to Danny too, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I wonder what Kyburn would uh, say if he had oh, access my to a God. white, right? Like he'd, oh. he'd be so into it. <laughs> Oh, I'm so with you on your Kyburn fascination, but like, yeah, you just, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But you think about it differently than I do. I really like it when you, when you, when you pop your Kyburn theories really like, <laughs> man, I, I love those. That would be awesome. I mean, you think the fucking mountain is cool. Right. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine Kyburn like finds a white figures out how to do it and like turns like a thousand, uh, like seven year olds. <laughs> <laughs> a little kindergarten white army. Wouldn't that be incredible? You are uh, so twisted. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I need magic. I would be a good somebody's Kyburn. Um, so the kidnap a white plan. I hate it. <laughs> what do you think? Why do you hate it? It's just it's so ridiculous. Oh, God. I'm like, What? You're going to do what? I, it just, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I'll accept it because, you know, that's that's what's happening. I get it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to complain anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> as soon as I heard it, my eyes just rolled. I was like, are you for real? Doesn't I mean. It s- <sighs> doesn't it seem like it would be easier for Cersei to just send somebody she trusts to go see White where they live and then that person could just come back because they're alive. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't it seem like that would be a lot easier? (laughs) I mean, like, I don't know that she would necessarily send Jamie, you know, but there's gotta be somebody. (laughs) I mean, right, like, that would, and wouldn't that be cool? Like, if Bronn was in the crew, you know, I mean, I just think, like, that's just as a much simpler that is a great idea mike oh my god and bronze already been past the wall before we learned that about him season one and we've been seeing him walk around and complain have jamie be like look stop at some castles on the way up and measure the bedroom (laughs) right but you know on your way back you know maybe check out the courtyards and the local prostitutes but what we need you to do is go verify (laughs) this situation you know I just to me like that's just such an easier answer. So I don't know what the hell they're going to I don't know what. And this is what I mean about, you know, 
it there was parts of this episode that just really felt like a fantasy sequence, you know. And it's great to see all those guys together. You know, like any excuse to get Tormund back on screen, right? But Absolutely. This, but the setup for it just seemed just unnecessary and bizarre. So <laughs> um And then like what you know, in the writer's room, like what got shot down for God's sake? Like, jeez, <laughs> you know, I, how I, are we going to get them together? I have, oh my gosh! I have to assume that this is that this is in the book. I I can't imagine that you're going to do that. Like, you're going to have this big thing. I, it's hard for me to imagine that that's not in the book. And I, you know, I think that that was part of what I'm saying is like you bring all these guys together, and it's like. You know, yeah, I'm sitting there digging it, but also there's not been anything in this whole goddamn thing that felt as much like Lord of the Rings as that moment, <laughs> right? And I, you know, I read Lord of the Rings about 30 years too late, so that doesn't really, like, get me super worked up, you know? Um, so because, and that's, you know, be, he usually goes with an easier answer until magic is just super cool. So I don't know. I wasn't too, I wasn't really into that plan. All right, plan number 2. We need to get Tyrion into King's Landing to convince Jamie to convince Cersei to back off a bit. <laughs> I guess right. is how you can kind of say it so they can deal with the undead and grant them an audience. You know, yep. I mean, I, I'm a little better with this plot or plan or whatever. You know, I'm a little better with this one. But again, I'm sure. Did, did you come up with an easier one for this one, too? <laughs> <laughs> There's a fucking million easier ones for this one, too. You send Davos. You send anybody who's not. I mean, you know, you've got Jorah there. There's yes, there's a million easier answers. Yes, because the thing is, like, I guess, you know, the idea that Jamie's going to trust him, you know, I suppose is kind of the driving factor. But at this point, and I think that they said this, it behooves them to take a break. Mm -hmm. Right. And Cersei, just because Tyrion went and told Jamie and Jamie went and told Cersei, Cersei didn't believe it. You saw her like, you know, she scoffed at the whole thing. Right. So it didn't really actually make any difference other than like if they would have said, hey, let's like take a break so we can whatever do yoga, man. Like so we can just (laughs) it doesn't I feel like any excuse they offered the Lannisters to not bring more dragons against another army they were going to latch on to. So what is really the point of setting this whole uh, anyway? Yeah, no, I totally agree. It was just to get them together. The other thing is, you know, Tyrion could have had a meeting with Bronn and Bronn could have gone and had that conversation with Jamie. It didn't necessarily yes. need to involve Tyrion and Jamie directly other than just to get them in the room together again to basically have the same conversation they had before. He hated me because I'm, you know, short and fuck him for it, you know, which like, sure, like I'm with you, buddy, but we already had that conversation. You, too, have already had that conversation. <laughs> So what are we doing it again for? You know, because they paid for the Balerion set. I yeah. would like to not be that <laughs> cynical, you know. Um, 
so before we leave Dragonstone, some something I noticed uh, when Jorah offers himself to go north of the Wall, Danny doesn't really say anything, and then when John says he wants to go, uh-huh. she objects. <laughs> I've gotten used to you around, having you around. <laughs> She's yep. like, I didn't give you permission to go. And that's when he says this whole, well, you know, you, I'm a king, so you can't force me. Right. Whole deal. But I thought that was interesting. It was like, Jorah, Jorah's like, I'm going to go risk my life. And it's like, all right, thanks, boo. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. then John's going to go and she's like, let's think about this. Hold on. <laughs> it is so dangerous up there. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Good eye. Yep. She called him her friend and she meant it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So after that, um, we go back to Winterfell and we see Lady Sansa. Uh, I guess she's listening to Glover and Royce and they're kind of undermining John in a sense. They're saying, you know, oh, he left. We came, uh, Royce is saying, Sansa, we came here for you, mm-hmm. and you are the one that maybe we should have put in charge. In the background, we see Arya watching this whole thing, and she's, you know, frowning up her face. Uh, so what do you think about this first part of it, where the, the whole, you know, John shouldn't have left, and we should have lifted you up? Uh, it was fine. I mean, I thought it was uh, predictable, to be honest. Like, not really a surprise. None of them wanted him to leave. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, it sets up whatever this thing is between Sansa and Arya. Uh, and it was effective for that. So, it was fine. Yeah, so, Arya, I mean, and the way I saw it is, Arya's freaking picking a fight with Sansa. Uh-huh. I saw... I... I know we don't like really do a lot of meme journalism, but I did see one that had a, a, a picture of, of Arya holding the, the scroll and it said Sansa wants to bring everybody together and gather food so they can survive the winter. Arya, but her emails. Yes, <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Anyway, I'm sorry. You had a point. No, I was just saying Arya, I feel like just Arya was completely in the wrong here. I, I guess I could blame her eight or let her get by because she's a bit younger than Sansa. But I, I just, I was disappointed in Arya. Um, you know, just being petty and saying things like, oh, you always like nice things. You know, we kind of talked last week about how people fall into their roles so easily after time has passed. And this was just like, Wow, Arya, you've changed so much in some respects, but wow, like this is also, this is like, like were unnecessary. They, were they supposed to like leave it untouched as a shrine? I didn't really understand. Yeah. Did she think like John wanted it? It seemed you know, it seemed very weird. But and that's the thing is, you know, these idiots with the tiki torches like we know what's going on here is not right the question is why like what is she you know what i mean what happened to her what you know i we've all because we've all been following aria and enjoying her as long as she's killing phrase 
you know, um, or getting Needle back and, and kind of working her way down her list. But this just seems like a, an abrupt kind of left turn. Yeah, I, I don't I couldn't even get motivation. I mean, I know how much she cares about John and doesn't you know, nobody wants to hear people, you know, shit talk your brother, of course. But that's not even what was yeah, really happening. This like, seemed a it, little extra for that. Didn't it, it? it was ridiculous. It was like if that's really what you had an issue with, I feel like Sansa cleared that up and explained how the situation is a little bit delicate and that's why she couldn't go about it the way our I mean for Arya to even suggest cutting off people's heads because they got a little snarky like are you kidding me <laughs> it's just bizarre I mean she having these skills doesn't mean you lose all your common sense right I mean yeah but we have to assume that that's like some next level faceless men shit you know is learning how to control the, the the abilities once you have them right i mean because that like i think that's one thing about leaving early you know you mm. really don't learn how to like mature and <laughs> all these abilities the thing is for her to come in and say like well if we just cut their heads off they won't complain that i didn't bother me a bit like i tracked right along with that as a part of her thing but then because the way i read the the kind of back half of that was her saying sansa wanted to be queen of the yeah. kingdoms not of even just Queen of the North, right? That she wanted the Iron Throne, isn't it? That's how oh. I took it. Is that how you took it? No, I took it as just running Winterfell and being the, you know, the the person in charge, not John. Oh wow! I, mean, I took I took her as saying that that was a step on the way to what she really wanted. Hmm. Well, you I know. mean, I don't know if she's wrong. I, you know, given what we know about. Sansa, I mean, really? she certainly, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, that's but amazing. Like, I don't see it, You're gonna I don't see make it as me a negative. Sansa. All right, let's I don't do see this. it as a negative. <laughs> the Sansa, you don't you have to defend Sansa, her. You I think, think it's Sansa fine. wants to be on the Iron Throne. I don't know about, I mean, I guess next to it. I mean, I think she would want to be next to a king, yeah. And I don't, I don't see that really? as a negative. I just see that as that's the person that she is, and that's okay, right? Like, people are different. And well, I'm not really saying it as a judgment in, 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 in any way like that. I just had kind of felt like she had had that whole thing beaten out of her. Like, somewhere oh, like halfway through tale. Joffrey, she was just like, fuck all of this. man. <laughs> like, this was all a lie. This is all, you know what I mean? There is no rest. Like, I felt like she, she just kind of had that beaten out of her. That's what I mean. I don't mean like, you know, no, not Sansa. I mean, like, really? Hadn't she seen enough? But maybe not. I mean, you know, people, you know, scars heal, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see her as that like I think she's a stronger person a more mature person but uh, I I just don't think it's okay like Arya is using it as an insult mm -hmm. I think Arya lacks ambition no I'm sure um, <laughs> <laughs> Arya needs to put on a dress yeah and, like you know. get with the program honey <laughs> No, I just you never learned that... how to sew. 
Now what? Uh, now <laughs> <laughs> I felt like like what Sansa was doing was falling into the role that she saw Catelyn play. Um and that that was part of why it was coming so naturally to her. You know, was that she had seen Catelyn kind of manage the household. Um and so she was falling naturally into that and that that was a level of power that she could be comfortable with as long as she didn't nobody expected her to like be aggressive about it. You know what I mean? That she wasn't trying to like unite new lands or anything like that. She's just trying to hold down the fort. Um, yeah. I mean, look, there was Marjorie, right. Who had this desire, right. To mm -hmm. be the queen. Mm -hmm. I don't think Sansa's there, but yeah. Like how Arya is saying like, yeah, you're thinking about it. Uh, you know, like when she closes her eyes at night, does she wish that these chambers were somewhere else? Maybe. Because she probably thinks that she could do it differently and she could do it better and she would be a good queen and she wouldn't be with someone like Joffrey and it wouldn't be so horrible. Hmm. I don't know. I, I maybe so. I, I feel like maybe she would be courting Littlefinger's opinion more if that's what she was aiming for. But she, but the way you're talking about it, maybe she's trying to do that, but just not in Littlefinger's way either. You mm -hmm. know, I don't think it's right. unreasonable to wrap him and Joff up together in her mind. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Interesting. All right. Well, that I hope that doesn't become a complete mess um, over there. <laughs> um, so then we go over to King's Landing, where we see. Bronn gets Tyrion and Jamie together. We kind of already talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, they, they had the same sort of conversation. Uh, you kind of mentioned earlier that it's terrible that we didn't get to see Bronn and Tyrion together. Yeah. And I, and I really do agree with you. That would have been a nice reunion, I think. Uh, just yeah. good dialogue. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Um, so... Yeah. Is there anything else we need to say about those uh, Tyrion and Jamie? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. It was unnecessary. Yeah. And then when they did it anyway, <laughs> they didn't do much with it. So, okay. <laughs> Here we go. So <laughs> then we get to see, uh, well, so I don't watch the credits, right? Okay. And the only time I watch the credits is when someone tells me there's a new location. Okay. And I didn't get spoiled about Joe Dempsey being in the episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was so happy <laughs> when Davos finds Gendry. Yes. That was and so awesome. Did you know? fucking Axel, Gendry, the G stands for graphic. All right. It's not Gentry. It's not. <laughs> right? Like, isn't it? I, it's I Gendry. Know. Isn't that correct? Well, supposedly they listen to me, so I'm going to say Gendry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Gendry. you for, for getting urine out of this show. I really <laughs> like that was like a public service you did like six episodes ago. I can't thank you enough. Uh, oh, because okay. I feel bad because I'm like, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> no, there's nothing to feel bad about. <laughs> Look, he can claim his he can claim New Jersey when he says water, but there's no reason that you got to say urine or gentry. Anyway, well, I'm sorry. Uh, enough Axel ball busting. He knows I love him. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, did you get spoiled about this or was it a surprise to you? I can't ever remember actors' names 
It's oh, taken me it's taken me forever to remember that Lena Headey means Cersei and that's not really much of a spoiler, <laughs> you know. So, like I remember them afterwards, you know, when I'm thinking about it, but when I'm watching the credits, like I really don't even hardly see the names. So, I watched the credits and had no idea anyway. So, it was which is great. I didn't want to know. You yeah, know, I was super happy to just see a blacksmith and be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, right. <laughs> so we got a rowing joke, you know. We did. It it was uh very wink wink at the audience that whole exchange, which was fine it's, with me. Yeah, yeah. You we know. deserve it after all these seasons of wondering where this freaking kid is. Yeah. And I didn't. Under, it was a. I thought it was a really weird choice to bring him back. Like, what's the point? You know, um, to bring him. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, as a character, I was happy about it. It was great to see him. But I don't understand why you bring him as a character in at this point. Um, just because we saw Rickon last season. So now, <laughs> I don't know. Well, but. I'm glad you brought that up because. Well, it's a little early, but <laughs> when thinking about who's not going to survive, you know, I was kind of having a conversation with my oh. friend who I watch it with. They brought Osha back. Yeah. Just a killer. They yeah. brought Blackfish back just to kill him. Rickon back just to kill him. And when I realized oh, that, that's I'm like, so good. no, don't do it. I'm yeah. like, please don't let this be another example of them bringing someone back just yep. so. God, that and makes I mean, perfect sense. What, seven named characters are going out there? I mean, I guess maybe at the end we can take a bet on how many are coming back. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so while we're talking to Gendry, I mean, he very conveniently is ready to leave. I love that, actually. <laughs> Very little explanation needed. Um, just happy for a chance to get out of there. So, I mean, that was, you know, super smooth. And yep. we get back to the coast, or whatever you want to call it, where we get this interaction with the gold cloaks. Uh, I thought this was, you know, decently funny. It wasn't bad. It was a little long, but, you know, yeah, I had good. a good time with it. Yeah. I liked it. And I liked seeing Davos... Ply his trade. Yeah, do his thing, right? You like know? he he, you know, slipped it on like like a suit. You know, he was no like, problem. "All right, I know how to do this." Yep, I've ridden this bicycle for years. I brought the crab. You know. Oh, and the warhammer. You said you wanted to talk about the warhammer, right? Oh, I just, you know, I just am fascinated by warhammers just as a person, and I'm really glad to see them make an appearance in the show because when. You know, when you talk about Warhammers, what people think about is Thor, you know, or mm. like they're always these kind of like these just ridiculous kind of outsized. And they were much closer to a sledgehammer, right? Which is not the size and weight that it is because of some like, you know, because that's the only size they can make them. <laughs> it's like built to go with the shoulders of approximately 200 pound approximately five foot to six foot men you know what i mean like it's physically designed to work with the physical bodies of the people who are most likely to be using them right and the and and swords were the same way you know after ned stark died 
Tywin had his sword made into two swords, right? right? Because, you know, you had to be a goddamn Stark to be able to even pick that thing up, let alone swing it around, right? And so the, 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 the picture that people have in their head of Warhammers is totally wrong, you know? And uh, Hollywood doesn't really do much to disabuse them of that notion. In fact, that's where it comes from. Obviously, right? Comic books and stuff like that. So just knowing how this show works, you know, the 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 weapons are all super functional. You know, I doubt that they're really razor sharp <laughs> for shooting purposes, you know. But they are they go out of their way to make them functional. They're weighted correctly, you know, they are made out of the proper materials. And and the guy, there's this guy Tommy Dunn, who's the weapons master for him. Uh, and you know, he knows as much about this as anybody alive, you know, and has practiced it and, and actually built these things more than anybody, you know, I don't know more than anybody. What do I know? Right. But he's done a lot. (laughs) He's got a, he's got a lot of experience. I've, you know, read as much and kind of listened to, there's some YouTube interviews and stuff with him, uh, Tommy Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, the weapons master for Game of Thrones. And he, you know, I haven't heard him talking about the Warhammer, but just he takes all of this stuff extremely seriously. So this is an ex- like I think probably closer to a real historical example than anything I've ever seen. I haven't watched the show Vikings, but if there's not a goddamn realistic Warhammer in the show Vikings, I, <laughs> I would be very upset. Uh, so, yeah, it just and it's, you know, I thought putting the stag on it was a, a kind of a ballsy choice. Did you notice? The stag? Look, yes, I did, and I was really happy that it was the old school stag, yeah. not the bullwinkle looking thing that <laughs> they created. And I, I love House Baratheon, and I never bought a single thing from the HBO shop because it's ridiculous <laughs> looking. So I was so happy to see. Just it just looks like antlers. That's all they had to do, right? right? right no, right, right, right. <laughs> they like cartooned it up. I was so angry. I don't usually well, ask I, you to dumb things down, yeah. but it's like I want to spend my money, people, and you won't <laughs> let me. Yeah, I, I was glad to see it, and I thought the scene was great, and and I liked the character and all that kind of stuff. And then when they go out to the gold cloaks, and you know, they I actually got to see the thing in action. Um, it was you know, I just thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Satisfying crunch. Yup. <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> Satisfying crunch. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, you know, it was also good to see, to just kind of see the character like actually in action. So then when he yeah. goes and talks to John, you believe him. You believe yes. he could be productive, you know. So Gendry is back. Yes. Um, cool okay, so that. we are still in King's Landing because Jamie goes to talk to Cersei and he just kind of walks in and she's already talking to Kyburn and <laughs> he says, so Jamie says to her, what's he doing here? And she says, he's the hand of the queen. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? I thought that was so funny. <laughs> what is your point? Yep. <laughs> like she is freaking savage like oh my god Cersei um, so I mean in this scene <laughs> you know let me just get I'm just gonna lead with she tells Jamie she's pregnant oh uh, 
I need that the funk flex bomb. Yeah, and, right. And like <laughs> to make you repeat that, you know? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um. So I mean, I like. I feel like I can't talk about the other stuff until we talk about this. Okay. Great. Now, book. This, this is book discussion. Do you recall how there were lots of hints that Cersei had been putting on weight and people were wondering if she was putting on weight because of all of the drinking or was she pregnant? Do you remember that? Sure do. So. Sure do. Do you think she's pregnant in the book too? I Yes, that was how I read it. Definitely. I it, Just because it came up too many times. Right. All you her know. dresses, so tight. <laughs> and not necessarily that she was actually going to have another child. Who knows, right? But this right. idea that she is pregnant, yeah. Now, I was still shocked to see it come up in the, in the show. Yes. Shocked. Shocked. You know, because I didn't really see what point it had in the book. Uh, you know, like I said, I, it's hard for me to imagine her actually having that kid. Um. But, yeah, so anyway, it shocked the hell out of me. And it also, I thought, shed a really different light on the scene where she goes and has the sex with the Jamie after the Mm -hmm. whole thing with the Laria, right? Because I had very much just read that as a power thing. You know, that's what gets her off is power. And when that, you know, sometimes that manifests as killing people. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> I had just read that as really just a pure kink thing. Um and an example, you know, of of just kind of where Cer- just a not an example, a reminder of where Cersei's head is at. But this scene really casts that in a different light, doesn't it? It makes that also much more realpolitik because they had just had the conversation about for who, a dynasty for who. What are you talking about? You know, who are you going to pass in a thousand years? Get out of here. This is the Middle Ages. We're lucky to be 35. You know, so that to me was the most interesting aspect of it. Wow. And um, I wasn't, you know, I think a lot of people are wondering if Cersei's just manipulating him because we see how he, I don't think he'll be going on any more suicide missions put it like that Mm. right like he he's all in and if you remember a few seasons back he wanted to just go public with her and he didn't care Mm -hmm. and he was willing to give it give it all up and she said no Mm -hmm. so it's like they're on the same page at this point um so someone who uses the uh closed captioning Mm -hmm. said that uh kyburn is saying to cersei i could give you something for it Mm mm-hmm Yep. And I'm guessing that means moon tea. Right. I which makes I, me right. think that this is a real pregnancy. I thought it was a permanent solution to nausea, not just for the morning. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I took <laughs> right. that the same way. Yep. Um, and then she so, says no. Right. She wants this kid. Yeah. Which doesn't, I mean, it doesn't surprise me a bit. But no. I don't think it has. It's all about power. It's all about you know. Once she's got it, once she has a kid, you know, as long as she can just normalize the fact that it's her brothers, then she is the regent for fifteen years or whatever, right? 
And she doesn't have her father to question her about it. I mean, I guess if Euron survives, he might have an issue. (laughs) Uh, Sure. (laughs) And that'll be a wrinkle. But I Uh would imagine that Cersei's already working on how to, you know, get that wrinkle ironed out. She's she's on that. On top of that rose. Before. Right. You got at least a 50-50 chance he's going to die anyway. Right. She'll figure out a way to turn those numbers up a little bit. Okay. So so we've talked about the baby. Um, So the conversation that they open with is really about, I mean, well, Cersei lets Jamie know that she is well aware of Uh everything that goes on in the city because she knew that Braun had set up that meeting with Tyrion and she allowed it to happen and kind of let Jamie kind of think he was uh, giving her information, which was interesting, a nice little power play from her. Yeah. Um, so she is like, okay, you know, everything, that sounds like a great idea. How, you know, I like, it's almost like this is going exactly as, as I want. You know, we kind of talked about this before already, how, you know, she's realizing how tough this this war is actually going to be. So, you know, we want to take a little break and get our ducks in a row and maybe actually get that golden company to come over here. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I can use a little time. Yep. And that, you know, that seems smart. Right? Yeah. I, it's a bummer because I really wanted her to be dead before we got to next season. But, oh, no. and doesn't, I mean, this is, you know, this seems like she's going to maybe wait, wait it out. Yeah. I, I need her to, I really want her to survive this season. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, whatever. <laughs> Push her out a window. I didn't even like any of the people she killed in the Sept, and I'm still pissed off at her for it. I don't, I don't know, like. Well, it was awful. I mean, <laughs> there's no yeah, excuse. I have, I have not forgiven her for that yet. Uh, you know, and I, I, she has absorbed a lot of my feelings about Joffrey, I as well. I've realized, um, oh. and she's earned it. So you know, and now this whole thing with the kid, it's just like, man. I mean, this lady, you know, she will bring a new life into the world just to kill it, to benefit herself. She's oh, insane. God. She's insane. Jamie, Olena was right. Yes. My yeah. God, man, what is the matter with you? Anyway. But but he's all in. He, he, You know, so like you're saying this, but it do, it wouldn't matter, right? It wouldn't matter who said it to him. He's he, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we all know that person that's way too in love. You just, okay. Yep. All what are right. you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm sorry that the last time you were mad at your person, I said all those awful things that I really yeah. feel about them. <laughs> I I hopefully we'll just not have that conversation until you're mad at them again. <laughs> been, totally been there. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so if that's all on Jamie and Cersei, uh, we can go back to Dragonstone, where uh, we have Clovis. <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> Clovis, who's supposed to introduce himself to John, decides to just go with the truth and say, you know, I'm Gendry, I'm Robert Baratheon's bastard. Uh, you know, like, 
glad to meet you basically like i want to be part of the team and let's be buddies yeah like john takes a liking to him and uh, you know it's nice that they have this sort of like shared history and the sort i guess like the bastard thing and not feeling like they belong you know like john Mm -hmm. probably is happy to have somebody around him like that i did john john smiled didn't he? Yeah, I, but I think he just smiled at being called short. I think he's just happy to have another pair of shoulders with a warhammer. I I didn't really feel like there was a whole lot of personal um, interaction from John, you know. But I, I think he liked that they were both kind of short. <laughs> well, uh, did it remind you of when Ned and Robert see each other for the first time in uh, in a while in? No, and it shouldn't have because it, the Ned and Robert had a relationship. But they insulted each other. Okay, all right, all right. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. You're right. I didn't. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. That's a good callback. Yeah. Well, this is like callback number fourteen. Yeah. yeah <laughs> this yeah, freaking yeah. season. Um, So, I mean, that was another smooth transition, right? Gendry's on the team (laughs) and he wants to fight the dead. He, you know, he believes Davos right away, like Army of the Dead. Yeah, totally. We got to stop him. Let's do it. Why not? Um, (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. (laughs) Then uh, we have a moment between Tyrion and Jorah where they say goodbye to one another. I totally do not remember that coin. Mm-hmm. Did did you remember that? Where yeah, I I mean I didn't I would have never remembered it again for the rest of my fucking life. But when he said it, I recalled. <laughs> I really try to remember. Like usually, I'm the one that's like, yeah, 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 this happened that season. I'm like, is I had to ask my friend. I'm like, did that actually happen? I that was a totally short. Forgot. Yeah, that was a short bit for those guys. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of that. So. Okay. Of that whole like thing with them, um, and that you know again here we are. It's fine. Everybody's saying goodbye. Danny totally wants to bang John and Atora. Yeah, that's do, it. Do, 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 do. Whistle me a tune. Kick rocks. Let's go. Yeah. So they're they're on the move. Uh, then we hop on over to the Citadel, my favorite place. Sam's <laughs> being freaking testy and rude as hell to poor little Gilly. I mean, Gilly's timing is terrible, right? She's trying to talk to him while he's working. But, I mean, he's still, like, really nasty. Um, He misses this sort of, like, Rhaegar info drop. She mispronounces Rhaegar, but still, I mean, come on. And, uh... Go ahead. ahead. Nope. I'll let you finish. Oh, and, uh, you know, we, we get it because she wants to know what annulled means, leading us to get this revelation that Rhaegar's marriage to Elia Martell was annulled, allowing him to marry, and then she just says someone else, but it was in Dorne, so we can do the math. And that would mean that John is not a bastard. What a bullshit fucking scene. If the word annulled is in these books, I'm gonna be very angry. Let me tell you <laughs> What a weird, dumb way to drop that information. Uh, you know, nope. <clears throat> Donald. Like, I remember Donald didn't like that it was Gilly. I don't. 
<laughs> See, yeah. he's not here to, to say why specifically, <laughs> but I know he was like not happy about that. All right, why does the annulling thing bother you? I just feel like it's too modern, and I really don't want... Well, I don't know if it's modern. It could be like the most ancient thing in the world. But it, like... I don't know. It feels like an excuse and it feels like an easy out. And I think it's more interesting if it was clandestine and they were not married and Rhaegar just did this to fulfill the prophecy that he believed in. I don't think the prophecy said he had to be married. Like he just said there must be another or one more or something like that. Hmm. So, I don't know. So it was because I've always gotten the sense that it was she was like eight months and like three weeks and like six and a half days pregnant when they got married. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I've always kind of gotten the impression that it was like right up on the edge. Um, and so I don't really think there was anything here to indicate that that's not correct. Right. Is that how you've understood the marriage of R plus L? I never thought they were married. You never thought they were married at all. No, no. Because this is we there's nothing to indicate this in the book. Right. There the there was no all. hint like you know Septon Maynard did this thing but and wrote it down but did he tell anyone else cuz no I mean think about how many times people have mentioned Rhaegar and it never they talk about how he dishonored her by walking past her and making Lyanna the queen of love and beauty. Don't you think they would have mentioned and then he dissolved their marriage. <laughs> That's a fair I mean, point. like, I don't it seems know. like you're burying the lead when you leave that part out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, oh, he was rude that one time. And then he left her. <laughs> he left yeah. her. I, right. So, I mean, look, I could be totally wrong. This could be George just revealing things slowly. But given how many people have remembered the tourney, told the story, referred to Rhaegar, referred to Elia, it has never come up once. Yeah, they do. I mean, this is one thing that, generally speaking, I really feel like the show does a very good job of condensing the books into a television show. And most of the things that they've left out, I, I have understood why. I still don't entirely understand why they didn't give Lady Stoneheart a little... A little moment. But anyway, but that's beside the point, and that's never going to happen. So I've, I'm going to forgive them for that someday. But generally speaking, I think they've done a really good job. But this just felt like I, I, I hadn't thought of it in that way. If the word annul is in the book, I'm going to throw the book out the window. I hadn't thought about it in that way, but it did think like there's no way. There is no way that that is how that comes out in the book. There's no <laughs> way that it is that much of a throwaway moment. I just thought it was a really weird choice to just toss that off and keep it moving. I mean, obviously, we're going to pick it up. They know we're paying attention. They know enough of us are actually paying attention to right. literally every word <laughs> that, you know, the, the memo is going to get around. But just what a throwaway, you know, if you're going to give me Davos saying, I thought you'd still be rowing, but then you're going to just toss off. Ah, oh, I was not thrilled with that at all. So, and I didn't, the information didn't bother me, you know, like I hadn't taken it the way you, you're taking it. I think that your point about it is just more interesting if it's clandestine. I think that is a good point. I think your point about the prophecy is also correct. Um, 
it just hadn't occurred to me that that would be a better way to do it. Um, but I just, the way they, t- the way they handled that, I just thought was really weird. And I like Gilly. I'm not complaining about Gilly <laughs> at all. You know, once again, yeah, Gilly we see was like being sweet. Sam being a dick and she's just like, you know, powering through it, you know, like she is, uh, you know, she's just like that, like upbeat person, you know? So <laughs> Sam's like, this is why you don't teach women how to read. <laughs> they get, they think just, they learn like, something and want to talk to you my wife my and i think maybe that's why i like gilly so much i've been trying to think about this you know about like what is it you know and that is that scene has happened in my relationship where i am working <laughs> on something and she is saying something and i am being unnecessarily shitty about it <laughs> like you how know. dare you yeah, and the thing is, I'm not frustrated with her. I'm frustrated with whatever I'm doing. And I just can't, like, be a dick to the book because the book doesn't care. You know what I no, mean? If I'm, right. like, a dick to the editing program, the editing program doesn't start doing things differently. <laughs> so you take it out on the human being who you know will forgive you, you know, right? Like, I mean, I it's that kind of Sam level just in your own head snapping thing. Right. And yeah. And he was pissed because he was transcribing all that ridiculous stuff. So he was hella pissed about that. Yep. And there goes my great idea about, uh, the archmaster giving him a pile of dragon glass scrolls. Yeah, I know. I was, that was some real hopeful shit, right? (laughs) (laughs) So that's it, man. Sam leaves. And, you know, that's the thing we're supposed to care about in this scene. Weird. (sighs) Weird. And, like, he literally takes a book that someone else is reading away from them and gives it to a baby. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes in the library and he takes a bunch of, like, I didn't have any. uh, How do we know? what he was taking and why he was taking it. Do we have any sense that he, that wasn't just like random pulls? I'm guessing he knew what he was looking for, or at least had an idea. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. He, right. he got the good stuff. All right. Well, if you want to be heavy lifting, who am I to tell you not to? <laughs> I just thought that was a, again, like just a weird kind of like, we've seen him go through that gate enough times that I feel like we could have gotten some sense of that he's not just pulling random shit from back there, which I still, you know, that's how it's, that's how it's always read to me is that he's just kind of pulling random things. And again, that's I weird. really, I hope not. I hope not too. It would make okay. no sense. And again, I feel like that's something else that, you know, in the book where we can hear him think, you know, and yeah. I, I don't know. This is a thing is like, that's a pointless thing to complain about. Because we're talking about the TV show. We're not talking about the books, right? And so, but I think just more than in most episodes, it really stood out to me in this one, you know, how differently it's going to end up being played. And part of that is just because, you know, they'll print as many pages as he will write. There's no (laughs) limit, you know. There's no point where they're like, George, I think this one's getting a little long. You know, we've got 6,000 pages that everybody's lapped up more than once. So, all right, enough of me complaining and being sour. Enough. Enough. <laughs> all right. Well, There's Donald I mean, here to cheer me up. Well, now we have to go to Winterfell, and uh, we get this little, like, cloak and dagger sort of scene 
where we see that Littlefinger is still Littlefinger. He has his spies all around. He's willing to pay people off. And he's also one step ahead of Arya, which was interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeming like he wants to create friction between the sisters. Uh, we were wondering. Was, this whole thing was saved for me by seeing him at the end. Okay. So were you like, there's no way she pulls this off or she. No, it's not too necessarily. Neat. It, just, it just seemed too predictable. It just seemed kind of rote, you know. Um, but then he's there and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> there is actually something happening here, you know. I mean, he so, could have just, I mean, he locked his room. Couldn't he have just left the scroll on his desk? If your room's locked? It's like, it's one thing if your room is open and you hide it, but well, I don't know. You're telling me that Littlefinger doesn't know how to pick locks? I mean, I feel like that's one of those things that he's, you know, thinks to protect against, you know? So that, okay, let's just talk about that scroll for a second. Mm-hmm. That is That scroll was... Tell me the, the the story of that scroll. So if I remember correctly, after Robert died and Ned was betrayed by Littlefinger, I, don't, I think it was before he was killed, right? Um, Sansa was forced to write a letter to Rob, pretty much asking him not to take up arms and to just allow Ned to take his punishment, if I'm remembering correctly. Do you think it was before he was killed or after? I think it was before. Okay. And um, when the letter arrived, Rob and Catelyn both were in agreement that this was not from Sansa's mind. Like, they were convinced that Cersei forced her to write this down. And that's kind of where the last we hear of it until now. Yep, and uh, so I always accepted that. I don't think there's any, there was never any indication that Sansa joined up with the Lannisters. No, yeah, she was miserable that whole time. She right. was All she wanted was everything to be okay. And everything that she said that was in support of them or whatever they were doing, she said with a very flat affect on, t- on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, so there's no reason to think that there's anything nefarious there. No. And yet, little crazy-ass Arya is like butter emails. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. You know, if you're Arya and you're reading this, are you really thinking, oh, my God, my sister betrayed my father? Right. You know, uh, is that really? And is she going to just, like, confront Sansa with, you know, like, aggressively or is she going to ask her about it you know like you're but a- hold on now you're you're analyzing this without the little finger element because little finger what is little finger going to do with this because he knows that Arya saw it so that's the thing that was the thing to me that that really like threw the whole thing really into a tailspin you know so will he create a situation for that information to come out and cause them pro- cause problems, or will he just be satisfied in knowing that Arya doesn't trust Sansa, and that'll be helpful going, f- you know, when he needs it to be 
used, well, I he can use it. I think he's going to use it. I just can't figure out how. How do you use that information against Sansa? Because are you going to, you're not going to bring it, are you going to bring it to Sansa? Because then Sansa's going to be like, you know, she forced me to do that. You know, or is he, because it makes more sense to me that, that he will try to figure out a way to sow a seed of doubt in Arya's mind because he knows Sansa's going to say, I didn't have anything to do with that. So I'm trying to figure out how he's going to sow that seed of doubt in Arya's mind without Arya knowing that he's doing it. Will it just push her closer to Littlefinger if she is at odds with her sister? You know, like if she's upset. Not necessarily. I suppose it could, but, you know, she's who is she really close to at this point? Like, you know, her and Cersei both like, who do I trust me? That's who I keep waiting for a variation of that speech from Scarface to show up in the <laughs> show. You know? Who do I trust me? That's who. who I mean, who is Sansa really? I don't really see her showing, you know, she seems to trust Brienne, but she's not asking Brienne's advice about anything. No. You know, so it seems to me like she, it won't really, it would be believable if she just kind of spurned them both. Hmm. So this is going to be interesting going forward. Yeah, dude, it gets way weirder with Littlefinger in the mix, like knowing. Like, what does he want? That Arya knows. And again, you know, I, I have been keep saying like, is it possible that Littlefinger's going to end up back in line with Cersei? But again, there wasn't really anything in this episode to indicate that. This kind of suggested he was really entrenched in the palace intrigue at Winterfell. So, hmm, interesting. All right, so now we go to our final scene, Eastwatch. The name of the episode. We finally get there, <laughs> and we get to see Tormund. He's so yes. great. And he's the only one with any damn sense. <laughs> because <laughs> he's Which trying to tell them this is a t- in the very beginning of the scene. I thought it was yeah. your idea to talk him out of stupid ideas like this. He's yeah. so, he's so great. Um, he's great. We get the hound back. You know, there's a lot of good things going on here. Yeah, and I like that they kind of left it as a cliffhanger so we can really spend some time with it next week. Um, well, some people have spent time with it already, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right. So do you want to, who do you think's going to, or I don't even know if I want to say who's going to die, but I feel like at least two have got to die or else this is like a joke. Come on. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think it, uh, I don't know. Yeah, at least two. I like your point about bringing Gendry back just to kill him the way they have other characters. I like that point a lot. It seemed like there was a lot of focus on Thoros, um, like an unusual amount of focus on Thoros, you know. Uh, and and Dondarrion kind of too. I mean, you know, Dondarrion gets to preach and the hand tells him to shut up. You know, it may kind of seem like we are, you know, done hearing Dondarrion repeat the same lines. Like what we really needed out of Dondarrion was to get the Hound, uh, you know, on board. 
So it seems to me like those three guys are the most likely ones to go. It's hard for me to imagine seeing um, Jorah go so quickly because they didn't bring him back in the same way. You know, we've kind of seen his process, right? Tormund's the only free folk we know. So you can't kill him because no, the, you, right. you're still going to need some sort of an army up there. And the only way that logistically works is if you got Tormund to tell him what to do. Uh, I feel like we've seen too much evolution in the Hound to watch him go away this quickly. Uh, oh, you know what? The Hound's presence in this group really knocks my theory that Clegane Bowl will not happen. Because if they're able to capture a white and bring it to uh, king's landing if he goes to king's landing he'll be there uh, wow looky there my whole thing was like why would he go to king's like it just didn't make any sense to me and now i mean it's possible at least at this point that he would have a reason to go to king's landing so i thought about that and i'm like oh i just got so, a, a dent in my little <laughs> my theory i keep waiting for in, you know, a lot of the Buddhists, not just Buddhists, but in a lot of aesthetic religions or religions that people who practice their religion in an aesthetic manner, right? But the Buddhists are especially known for just having a robe and a bowl, you know, and you beg in your bowl and you eat out of your bowl, you know, and you just wash the bowl and you just have this one bowl and it's the only thing you have, you know? And the more aesthetic, aesthetic, not aesthetic, the more aesthetic, uh, the hound gets i keep waiting for you know for him to just like have a bowl and <laughs> that's the clegane bowl <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that was was that too was that too far did i go too far to get to that uh are you are you getting sleepy are you getting a little punchy mike <laughs> i just like i think that uh how do you i don't know like it seems it seems like it would be a weird distraction unless it's just kind of like he sees him and is just like, oh, fuck you. And they just kind of like suddenly go at it, you know. I mean, I don't feel like you can set up a whole trial by combat situation again to make that happen. You know? We really don't have time <laughs> for this. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I've been wanting to see Clegane Bowl forever now, but I just no. don't see how it happens. So, not me. I, I thought the like hound it. was. I thought I really thought the hound was kind of. Uh, you know, he looked good in the back of that group. You know, I thought that. Yeah. I like. I thought he was kind of a cementing factor. So, I'm happy for him. He has purpose. It was kind of nice seeing everybody kind of like run down the bullet points of how you know the last time they saw each other and was this a good relationship or a bad relationship? I know you. You betrayed me. Your dad wanted to kill me, whatever. You know, like, they kind of <laughs> got all that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And acknowledge that they're going to work together now because they're yeah. still breathing. They're breathing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? I mean... Yeah, no, it was oh, all right. well, well, Beric, you know what? The thing about Beric, he's... You know what? Ah, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything intelligent to add. <laughs> I'm excited to listen to uh, everybody else's kind of comments on this because I usually try not to listen to the other podcasts, you know, until we've done our our little chit chat because I just would rather have my own thoughts, yeah. 
coming into it. But I know a lot of people really enjoyed this episode. Uh, Matt was just overjoyed, it seemed like. was very expressive on the Twitter uh, about how much he enjoyed the episode. A lot of people really seemed to love it. So um, I think Tim Hines did a two-hour and 40-minute call-in show. What? I think was the total. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there was a lot of great stuff. Uh, lots of great callers. So I have been trying not to listen to anything because I felt like my reaction to this episode was very blah. Um, mm. You know, it was fine. It was, you know, there was some good things. There were some things, you know, John and the Dragon was really great. Like there were a couple of really standout moments. But for the most part, I just really wasn't thrilled with it. And not because there wasn't a whole lot of big super fighting or anything. Um, just because I kind of felt like there wasn't a whole lot new learned and what we did learn that was new was, was not handled well. Um, so I'm excited to hear what everybody else thought. You know, if everybody's just like so excited to hear further confirmation of R plus L equals J that they don't care how they did it or that, you know, maybe other people feel like it was really done well or whatever. I'm excited to hear what everybody thinks. So have you listened to the other podcasts or no? Um, just the initial reaction and Joffrey of podcasts. Yeah. I listened to that. Yeah. Cause you know, they have a, a different you know, take on things. Their, their take Joffrey. is always different from mine. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not, you're not going to be influenced necessarily by those. Yeah. <laughs> and Kelly was guest hosting and she was awesome on it. So it was really As great. Always. Yeah. As Kelly so, is. It was it was a good listen for sure. Um good. yeah. So I thought it was a pretty good episode, but again, yeah, it just magnified for me some of the, the weaknesses in this seven seven episode season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there is uh the next episode has leaked again and apparently it's a full H D version and apparently it's completely badass and apparently I'm not gonna be able to log on to Facebook until Sunday. Uh, at 10 after the episode is aired <laughs> because uh, I guess there's, you know, there's no such thing as spoiler free on this one uh, from what I'm hearing. So uh, I have not seen it and most likely won't watch it. Um, not for any particular reason, just because I like my uh, my Sunday GOT ritual while I have it. Are you going to watch or no? No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I don't, I would have to watch it on my iPad. That's not how I want to watch it. I don't have right. the, the cable to hook it up to the TV. Uh, so you know what? Eh. I'll wait. And I don't know many people that like Game of Thrones as much as me. So it's not right. likely that the people in my circle would spoil it. Right, right. They might well, watch it, but they're not going to post about it. That's handy. No, what so lovely so friends you have. Yeah, well, I mean, it's small. <laughs> I don't have a lot of friends on there. Like, I'm very choosy with, like, what work people I have in my networks. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's smart. So, Another life. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have, yeah, we got the big uh, fan call-in show that apparently is brilliant. The IR is always great. You and I have been talking for, like, all night. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> and uh, we also have the very first Game of Thrones Mythos episode. Uh, a little something that I put together that came out on the feed. I'm not sure. I think it comes out right before the episode we're recording now, I think. Uh, but it is really just an exploration of the mythology of ravens. And like the mythology of ravens in our own actual human on Earth history 
Uh, and then the way that George has kind of taken these myths and reinterpreted them and reworked them and kind of turned them to his own purposes as is the uh, want of a great storyteller. So I just been reading about a lot of, I've been reading a lot of stuff about Ravens and just kind of was finding all these little fascinating connections and, and thought that I would throw together a little thing talking about it. So uh, it is the first Game of Thrones mythos episode, Mythos of the Ravens. And if you dig it, or the first win- podcast Winterfell mythos episode, right? That's how I should have said it. Yeah. That. Yeah. And if you dig it, uh, let me know, you know, if there's other subjects that you'd like to hear about, let me know, you know, because I'm I really enjoyed kind of digging into the mythology of this thing and and comparing it to the show and to the books. It was a lot of fun. So I'd be happy to do it again if everybody likes it. If you don't like it, then just fucking turn it off and don't (laughs) say mean things to me because I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. As Eric <laughs> Batu said. Yes, you did. Uh, all right. Am I leaving anything else out or are we good? No, covered it. Tracy, it's always great to talk to you. It's been a pleasure. Two hours, right? At least. <laughs> yeah, just to touch over, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go in and cut out me coughing. Maybe that'll take a little bit out. All, all right. right. <laughs> Podcast Winterfell. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to everybody who comes back and welcome all of our new listeners. We got a lot of list. We got a lot of stuff to listen to. So if you're bored or you have a job where you can, we will fill up your head. Podcast Winterfell. Later. Hey guys, Matt here. You know, I used to say that I would never ever monetize Podcast Winterfell because really I didn't need to. I had plenty of money to do it, and it was my passion. But the guys from the DVR Podcast Network, who have taken over Podcast Winterfell for me, decided to do a Patreon page because they're giving you more content each week than I have ever given you on Podcast Winterfell. And I really appreciate that the effort that they've gone through to do that, including interviews, including three podcasts a week just covering the show, and maybe even more with a feedback podcast here or there as well. So... You're getting a whole lot of content, and that's why it's worth it to go to patreon.com slash DVR and check out their pledge levels and make a pledge. I've done it. I am now a DVR Podcast Network patron, and I'm happy to get it because I get to hear some of the podcasts a little earlier than the rest of you do, perhaps. Also, I know that I'm going to continue to get even more great podcasts about other television shows by continuing to support the DVR Podcast Network. So quickly go to the DVR Podcast Network's Patreon page, that's patreon.com slash DVR, and pledge your support for Podcast Winterfell on any level, a dollar, three dollars, ten dollars. There's all kinds of neat little perks as well for you, depending on what level you pledge at. Thanks for listening to me babble. Take care.